0: The following is a presentation of the Billip Sports Media Network.
1: The ball sends it over to Edward Robles. Go and FC! Name FC. what is up everybody my name is hector flores host of the insert name fc podcast and yeah i mean obviously it's been a while since i've recorded because of maryland but we are back for another episode episode 130 i believe i think at this point we are now at like holy shit man i'm like super super tired, but you know I still love doing these episodes, man. I really do. Yeah, episode one thirty, man. Um, a lot has happened since last episode, so definitely gonna have a lot to talk about. Um, as far as Maryland goes, um, it happened. (laughs) Not necessarily the best trip. Um, as far as like collectively, but was an amazing. Oh no, it was still an experience, I think. But you know, in time, you know, the, we're just, you know, the academy is just getting started. So, um, hopefully, there's something to build off for next year. But I think there's some, I guess there's some good, mostly bad, but there was some good to take from it. But pretty cool experience. Maryland's pretty cool. So, yeah, um, <laughs> that's all. I don't really want to say too much because, it's, oh, yeah, it was rough. Um, but, um anyways, so this episode will have a lot of a lot we have some headlines to talk about. Actually mostly pertaining uh USA US in some sense. Um there is gonna be a more sensitive discussion happening in this episode. Obviously if, if you if people know what's like the big thing that happened recently. Um there is a debate topic this episode, so be ready for that one. Um and we will be looking at previewing the Europa League final because it'll be coming up it is coming up uh uh this week uh no is it this it? it's coming up I know for sure uh I don't know why I'm so confused the way I'm like doing this right now very unprofessional right now if you ask me uh but I, it is coming up it's it's weird how they do it yeah it's coming up uh it'll be next week so, uh, it's going to be what I record, so th- there's no point in to be, like, you, you, you get the point. So, the Europa League final, we're going to preview it. It's kind of weird that the Europa Conference League final happens after the Europa League final. I feel like it should be the other way around. But, hey, I don't make the rules. Um, we'll look at the f- the final matchup for Liga Mekis, the Klasura. Um, By the time you guys listen to this episode, the first leg has already been played. So Sunday will be the uh the second leg, which will be the final match for the Clausura for Liga MX. So we'll go ahead and preview the final matchup. Players of the week. Some games to look forward to this coming weekend. Uh we're kinda now going towards the end of the season, so yep. And um share my closing thoughts on uh something that has an an incident that happened that uh definitely kinda hits hits a little bit home for me, um, not necessarily my home, but it does hit somewhere a little bit of background of myself. So definitely we'll wrap that show up. Wish it was a little bit brighter, but it is something that happened. So um, that's all I really got, man. So we're going to go ahead and take a break and then get going with headlines.
0: Hey, everyone, it's Ryan from No Credentials Required to talk to you about one of our newest partners at Fill Up Sports. SeatGeek. Yeah, live sports is great on television, but the feeling of being at the arena is a priceless experience. That's why our friends at SeatGeek are there to help you find the best tickets at the best prices. Not only can you get tickets to sporting events, you can also get tickets to concerts, comedy shows, musicals, and more. Search for your desired event now at SeatGeek.com, enter promo code BELLYUPSPORTS at checkout, and you save 20 bucks off your first purchase. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets.
1: Alright and we're back. So before we get going with the rest of this episode, make sure you guys follow us on Instagram and Twitter at InsertNameFC. Try to be active on there. We try to post, put some voting polls in there. Obviously if you guys follow us on Instagram and Twitter uh, for our Players of the Week award, you guys do help in the voting process for the Roosevelt Spencer's Player of the Year award. Um, when we do announce our Players of the Week, you guys get to vote on who you guys think from those two uh, should be the Player of the Week. So it does your your voices will be heard. So on Instagram usually it's on the stories. On uh Twitter they'll be it'll be posted and then the subtweet would be the poll. So just so you guys know, um and that's just a great way to be keeping up with what we're doing here on uh Instagram FC. Also follow up uh Belly Up Sports at Belly Up Sports and at Belly Up Media as well on Instagram and Twitter. Um great great to be partnered with them um in hopes of continue building with them. But, alright, so headlines, the biggest thing that happened, not necessarily the biggest thing, but as far as U.S. soccer goes, we had Florian Balogun committing to the USA. Uh, Florian Balogun has made his switch, his one-time switch, from the English national team to the U.S. men's national team, um, currently on loan from at Stade de Reims. He's actually an Arsenal player, um, Arsenal youth product, and went on loan because he needed to play because you know he right now with the current forward situation striker situation at, at Arsenal with the likes of uh Gabriel Jesus and and um and Eddie and Katia, you know, he wasn't gonna get much opportunities so he went on loan and now is at Style Reims. If you guys don't know that is the club that has the coach that gets fined every single match because he is not a licensed coach, so interesting story, but uh, Florian Balogun has also been a very interesting story this season, because he currently has 20 goals this season, which is tied fourth in League Un, so had quite the season, has gotten a lot of attention because of that, and you know, one of the things that you kind of learn about certain players is people found out that Florian Balogun is from America, um, or has connection to America. I think I believe he was born in America. I want to be want to be sure about that. But obviously played for the uh for through the English youth ranks. Um but uh does have American ties which I believe he was born in New York. Yeah, born in born in New York City. So, the 21-year-old born in New York. So he does have American ties, but obviously has been playing through the English youth system. But ever since he, people found out about his New York ties, there has been just an ongoing campaign to get Florian Balogun to switch to U.S. men's national team. And this isn't the first time that the U.S. has gotten a, a player to switch from England to the U.S., you, uh, Eunice Musa being an, an example of that. Um, and a lot of players have been trying. They've been talking to him, trying to see what they could do to make... Make something shake and get this guy in the red, white, and blue. And there's been, he kind of did some, some little teasing as he went, made a trip to Florida, uh, in Florida, was it Florida? Yeah, I think he went to, took a trip, went to, came to the United States, was posing around there. People got excited. Maybe like, maybe he's making, you know, making the switch to USA. You know, no one, no one really knew. They were just kind of hoping for something and they finally dropped it and he is now officially assigned to US Men's National team and people went bonkers um for it and i mean he's you know from from the little that we've gotten from him which is obviously seeing his time over at Stade the Reims, i mean 20 goals at one point was leading in league on he's up there he's in the top 5 um so can score goals which is something the US has been looking for and also, weirdly enough, the U.S. has had kind of a quote unquote, uh, striker issue where they just can't seem to find their guy, uh, to play the number nine spot. Um, we've seen young know, Ricardo Pepe, we've seen, uh, Sebastian Ferreira, we've seen Daryl DK, Brandon Vasquez is his name that has been dropped in there as well. Um, everyone's like, oh, this is our guy. You know, the U.S. went and got, a. uh, uh Sabachu, or PFOC, Jordan PFOC. Um, and it, in hopes that he was gonna be their nine, and it's just, there just hasn't been enough consistent results from that number nine spot to be like, hey, that's our striker. Um, and I, I think that that is kind of like, now like the pressure is on for like any striker that's American. Oh, Josh Sargent, I can't believe I forgot about him. But, you know, there's always that concern. I am more so, was more so, more so, more so towards Ricardo Pepe. Um, I liked Ricardo Pepe a little bit more, but obviously now you have Florian Balogun. I think it, it raises the competition significantly. I don't know if it's necessarily his spot. I think it's a spot that he definitely is going to be a candidate for. Um, but as far as it's his, I don't think so. I think uh, the concern is gonna be is like how, how big of a leash are we gonna give him? Like, do we expect him to score goals right away? And if he doesn't, do we just go back to doing the same thing where we just start rotating strikers because we still don't know who our guy is? Um, I do think that we need to find our nine. Uh, I think mean, it's clear. But I think it's also at one point you're gonna have to just commit to somebody. And, and hopefully once they start getting more and more reps, I guess our scoring goals which is kind of hard to ask especially when you're talking about a national team where it's like you really can't make these mistakes um but i think the addition of florian ballon definitely adds a lot of intrigue now for the u.s because you get another young promising player to a very young squad squad as it is now and yeah it does shake things a lot up now um i know a lot of people are trying to give credit to to Burr Halter for this one. Maybe, maybe there was some influence there. I really don't know. I didn't read into it. Um, but I mean clearly Burr Halter's gone. Or we don't know yet. I know Jesse Marsh starting to see more and more like the front runner for the US job. Um, but I mean, you know, if let's say Greg Burr Halter did leave, well, Greg, you know, as Greg Burr Halter left. Maybe Florian Balogun would have, made, would have been like, ah, I don't know if I want to come now. The guy that I've been talking to about making the switch isn't there anymore. Why would I want to not play? Kind of weirdly enough, making it sound like college recruiting now. But um I don't know. I don't think that necessarily. Greg was like a as big of a of a pull for somebody like Florian Balogun. Maybe he saw like the likeliness of him playing for you. And I, I'm i not to, not to sound awful, but. Maybe you saw his chances of playing for the U.S. men's national team were a lot higher than playing for England, who currently they have Harry Kane, um, in that position. And I don't know if he's going to be falling off anytime soon. But I, I, I think, I think, I think it's just, for me, it's more so, it has to have been that that was a consideration for his switch, um, that Florian Balogun saw the position that, hey, I can compete in here. And I feel very confident in my skill set that I can take that spot. I think I can start right away or at least contend for it, be at least a front runner for the number nine spot. So I think that that's also maybe another reason, uh, why he, why he chose that route. So that's just my opinion. I know that not many people want to hear that, but that is just a thought. Just gonna point that out. But aside from that, I, I love the move. I love that we got Florian Pelagon. Um, I like that he made the switch. Uh, it does open up that battle even more for the number nine spot for the U.S. Um, I think at this point, someone's gotta go after and take it. Um, you know, guys like Jesus Ferreira, Ricardo Pepe, uh, uh Josh Sargent, and Jordan PFOG, like, they gotta now be, be kind of on top of it now because now you have this this new this new shining prospect coming in and you know you got to make sure you're 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 not messing up so you don't miss you're not the guy left out um so i think it's intriguing uh do i want to see him play of course i want to see him play i mean the guy made the switch hopefully he's good enough to to, to secure that spot but uh I do like i I'm gonna go back to i do like Ricardo pepe um that's there's my bias there, but uh I think adding adding a different another player into the mix doesn't hurt anything and um hopefully hopefully someone takes the gets the number hopefully someone takes the nine spot and owns it and and becomes our new nine so I mean at some point someone's gotta just have it just someone needs to go and fight and get it so hopefully that's what we see um uh, from somebody could it be Balogun could it be Pepe could it be Ferreira could it be could it be somebody Brandon Vasquez like we don't know we can't tell until you know we start seeing stuff happen but um but as far as Balogun I'm excited I think he's there's a lot he's been linked to a lot of clubs now um now that the way he's performed inside of the reams, um so Arsenal might have to figure out if they're going to want to keep him or maybe he goes out to Italy or goes somewhere else um for him to get more consistent playing time um but i know the one of the rumors that i've heard is ac milan is looking to bring him in to be kind of like that future striker especially with <laughs> some of the ages that they have at at, the, at their nine spot so could be a good opportunity for him it just depends if uh where he th- he thinks is the best spot for him so congrats to usa congrats for florian balagan um and we'll see how that works out. Uh kind of sticking with the US, uh San Diego. San Diego has now joined MLS. So, it was a $500 million investment to get as the 30th MLS club in San Diego. Um the owners of this of this San Diego club cuz they haven't announced the name yet is uh Mohammed Mansar, Mansour, Mansour. Uh owner of Right to Dream. Right to Dream is uh soccer cat like a giant soccer academy program. Um so uh that's really all I'd really read into. I wasn't really trying to do like huge massive deep dives here or anything because this is hopefully gonna be a pretty loaded episode, anyways. Um But you know, rich Egyptian billionaire um comes in along with the Sequan band of the Kumiya nation. Hopefully I got that right. I really don't know if I did. Um but an apologies if I did get that wrong. But they are they're also joining this ownership group. They are becoming the first Native American tribe to have ownership of a US soccer club. So that's that's pretty huge right there. And MLB All-Star Third baseman for the San Diego Padres, Manny Machado. Um, one of the things that I, most people at this point that personally know me, and obviously I've mentioned it a few times on this podcast, is that I am a big baseball nerd. So Manny Machado is one of my favorite players. I know Manny Machado is a very mixed feel. Some people like him, some people don't. So, But I do like Manny Machado. I think he's a really good baseball player. So it's really cool that a another athlete is joining in to ownership of an MLS team, it only helps. And this this opens up another avenue because, I mean, we've heard basketball players, football players, baseball players, uh, not so much. So it's really cool that now we have a baseball player entering the ownership groups of a MLS club. Now, I believe that they're going to be playing at Snapdragon Stadium, which uh, Snapdragon is a stadium in San Diego. San Diego Wave. Is a Wave or Current? San Diego Wave because it's Kansas City current. San Diego Wave uh, play there as well as I think uh, San Diego State University, um, and the other team, the other so- uh, men's soccer club. I just, I think there's like a lot of soccer clubs. Just people don't notice that. But there's a, a team right there that also use Snapdragon, and it is called the San Diego Loyal. It is a team that um, is a USL team. Um, has gotten a lot of attention. Actually, a, a club we mentioned in one of our earlier episodes, because uh, Landon Donovan is is uh, is involved with that club, and a lot of people were thinking maybe San Diego Loyal is going to the MLS. It is not the case. It they actually made it, the ownership made it very clear on social media that they are not involved with this deal. So San Diego Loyal still will be there in the USL. Um, but I mean, a lot of people, it, it, it's not crazy of a thought that maybe the hopes of a, of an USL team going to the MLS, cause it has happened before. FC Cincinnati is an example. Um, the Cascadia teams, Portland, Vancouver, and, um, and Seattle were also kind of, sim- not, I don't know if they were in USL, but they were definitely very similar type of teams where teams of a lower division, of a lower league, I don't like saying that, but of another league, not the MLS joining mls um so it has happened before and so uh so it's really cool oh well i don't know what i said so it has happened before but we also have seen the expansion clubs like the atlanta united's the the inter miami's the the st louis st louis city so we've seen kind of a different like how how they've added clubs into the mls um but we kind of have to. The one of the things I want to talk about is the fact that now we've added a thirtieth team um, into the MLS, and what it, what in the hell is going to happen now? Because this is a, this is a lot of teams in a league. I mean, if you really want to, and I know a lot of people don't well, like, oh, we're different. This is U.S. We do our soccer differently, and I and I get all that. and I'm fine with that, but uh, that the, the question would be: Is the MLS planning to expand even further? and if they do expand any further like what how exactly is this club going to be how lo- how exactly is this league going to be organized cuz uh if you have now 30 teams that means that there's going to be 15 teams on each division um your scheduling is going to be definitely a little bit different maybe in a way where you might not play every team every year um which is something that maybe most soccer fans are more used to or football fans are more used to um most leagues are usually around twenty twenty teams per league. Um so um is the MLS thinking about maybe going down the route of promotion relegation, which I mean at this point it's like a broken record. Uh if if you want pro if you want pro, pro uh promotion relegation, that's all cool. I'm 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 fine either way. I'm cool with the addition of promotion relegation. Um but I can also see the flaws for promotion relegation in the US. Um but uh I think it's gonna be it's just the question would then be like if you do choose to expand the league even further, I think thirty is a good number um at this point, but if you do choose to expand the league, like what are you gonna do with the size of these league this the size of this league like how are you gonna schedule these matches? is every team gonna get a chance to play every team in the league? Or say like the Western Conference teams play all the Western Conference teams twice and maybe play certain Eastern Conference teams each season. So you're not gonna see every team because you, you still gotta make this like fees like at least like healthy enough. I don't know what the word I wanna use for this one, but in in a way that it doesn't harm the players. And you know, the safety of the players are also at you know, important. So you can't necessarily play a lot of matches. So, and I think that they're the MLS kind of does this already, where it, I don't necessarily think that you play every team in the MLS. So they might continue doing that, but it is going to be interesting how they how they divide it up now. Um, so, because I mean, if you're playing fifteen teams, if, if you play like let's say they split the league. obviously they're going to split the 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 league into two conferences, Western Western Eastern obviously. So, like, say if you were to play every team in your conference twice, that's already twenty-eight matches. Twenty-eight matches, and I believe like most leagues play like 38. 38 matches. Um, I would say in a given in, in, a, in a standard league schedule, not including like the side tournaments or or, or other competitions, just just league itself. So. If you already have, if you already play everybody twenty eight times, and like I said, thirty eight is usually the goal number. So now you have ten games to play with, and obviously there's, <laughs> you can't play every team in the Eastern Conference. So, so I, that's what I'm gonna be intrigued by. Like, do they just play five different teams twice, or do they just play ten random Eastern Conference teams, and they just you know randomly home and away? So I I think that that is something that should be something to be thinking about um and then like i said if if mls does decide to continue expanding like what is this league going to do like I, i'm very intrigued by that um because uh, does it get to the point where the eastern and western conference both have 30 teams in them and and so i that's all that's all that's all i'm, that's all I'm gonna say that's like it, it just it's gonna because i'm now thinking way too fucking much but it is something that i'm very curious as to what exactly how this league is going to grow um and what they're going to do with scheduling and and league play especially when you're adding then you have to add open cup then you have to add uh concacaf champions league then you have to add leagues cup which i mean leagues cup is solved because the fact that you, the summer you take you take the summer off to play leagues cup um, at least that's what I how I interpreted it. Interpreted it, how I interpreted it. Fuck, I can't. I don't, I don't know. But so it's gonna be interesting. Does MLS stop here with expansion, or are they looking to grow the league even further? And when, where do you stop, and how do you structure this league? So those are my my questions from this addition to to the MLS. So congratulations, San Diego. Um, hopefully, you're not San Diego FC or San Diego United or San Diego SC or FC San Diego. Um, uh, Sporting San Diego or Deportivo San Diego or, or fuck, whatever. Just let's, let's, let's get some uniqueness. Please no circle badges. Um, please don't be an insert name FC, which is actually the, the inspiration to the, to the name of this podcast was because of the MLS. But, um, We'll see how that goes, though. But congratulations, San Diego! Um, you know, hopefully, you got something here because, like, San Luis has been exciting. I'm just gonna say that right now. San Luis has been very exciting since they came into the league, which is literally the season. And hopefully, that that continues. So let's let's continue with that. But time to get into some more serious discussions. Uh, one second. All right. So, the big thing that happened this is going to be a very, obviously a very hard discussion, hard thing for me to talk about because it's something that at this point I'm exhausted to talk about, but it is the world that we live in and it is something that is going to be a constant thing. But, so, Vinicius Jr. received a lot of racial, received racial abuse in um, their match against Valencia over at Valencia's uh, stadium. Um, he received some racial abuse from the fans um, over there at Valencia. Um, things got really heated to the point where, you know, he walks on, he like walks over and like is pointing out the fans that are harassing him, um, which nothing was done from there. Um, maybe security pulled him away. I don't know, but it clearly didn't get any better. Um, Vinicius, and, and I mean, it's some little backstory if you guys don't know. Vinicius has been definitely one that has received a lot of uh racial abuse over his time in la liga um uh, this has not been uh, this has not been just a one time thing it has happened multiple times and honestly, it's not even just la liga We've heard plenty of stories in Serie A. we've heard plenty of stories in in the Portuguese league we've heard we've heard instances in the English Premier League. It is not just a one league place. Hell, it's even happened in the MLS. Um, it it's not been it's not one of those one time only one of these places does it. It is something that happens everywhere, in the it, it's at least happened everywhere. And and so that's why I want to mention that before I go any further. But um, things got a little bit more heated in the game. Uh, there was a a big scuffle that happened. Um, Vinicius, the goalkeeper for Valencia kind of runs over, um, kind of grabbing Vinicius Jersey trying, you know, I, I don't know. There's like a big confrontation that happens there. And, and this is where like things get really kind of really mushy for me at this point. Cause I don't, I don't know exactly how to read the situation, but, um, Hugo Dodo, um, comes, comes from behind and grabs Vinicius. Now some people are saying that he's choking Vinicius. I my inter, my view of it doesn't seem that that's what he's doing. But then again, I don't know. I could be very wrong at this, but it seemed that he was trying to pull back Vinicius, trying to get him and I'm sorry that I don't have the goalkeeper of Valencia's name on the top of my head right now, but trying to pull them away. I think that that's what was happening. Was he was trying to pull him away? Obviously, you know, he put his arm around his neck, which is Maybe because of all the fact that there's just so many bodies around. He doesn't really know. Not that he doesn't know. He doesn't. It's like he wasn't able to get like a better grip. My interpretation. Once again, it's my interpretation. Could he have choked him? Probably. But it could have been where he was just trying to reach over and grab him. Um, I think he picked. Obviously, it was a very poorly way to grab somebody over. Because he it went to the neck instead of maybe trying to grab him by the chest and pull him out. But uh, so as I'm saying that now, I'm like, oh, maybe you did choke him. But like, like I said, it's very, and in that scenario where there's just so many bodies around, and you know that there's two people that are clearly very heated right now, you just want to try to get these people out, trying to get them calm down to move on from it, um, in these situations. And so, like I said, I can't really tell you <laughs> what exactly. Uh, hugo duro was doing but if if i was thinking in his situation i'm at least if it was me i would have been trying to grab Vinicius. probably wouldn't even try to touch Vinicius because last thing i want to see is a guy from the other team grabbing one of my teammates so i actually would have been trying to go and grab the goalkeeper um which is kind of hard because he's obviously massive but versus Vinicius, i think i would have rather had like one of Vinicius' teammates grab him maybe Rudiger, with Rudiger, I would say I think really tried to control it, tried his best to control the situation. It was just this was just a very heated situation. Like it was gonna, it was it it probably could have been prevented, but I think with all the the tension that was already happening, Real Madrid was losing one 0 There was just so much tension going on with it. Plus the fans were, like I said, the fans were being racially. Or racial abusive towards uh, Vinicius. So there was just so many things that were being heated up in that si- situation. And last thing you have is a player from Valencia. Grabs him. Whether he's trying to choke him or just whatever he's trying to do. And Um, an, al- an already heated player. Uh A player that's like kind of like now at his wits end. And Vinicius obviously slaps him. And then gets a red card. Um... But the other players don't get any sort of discipline. And so and that's kind of where make things just get even worse. Is you're gonna punish him for slapping a guy, but Hugo Duro um grabbed him. And I don't know if it was a choke or was just trying to pull him away. But either way, he grabbed him. So he did something, at least something to instigate. I'm not trying to say that he he deserved to get slapped. But I'm just saying that like there needs to be a discussion for what he did. The fact that this goalkeeper, like, comes at, uh, Vinicius in the face, I'm not saying that the guy needs to get a red card or anything, but definitely needs to be disciplined. There, ne- there needed to be something done to calm this situation down, because it got really bad, and obviously led to a player getting slapped. Um, uh, yeah. which, I mean, there could be worse situations. Um, but obviously Vinicius gets a red card, um, and, uh, like I said, interpretation is like the other thing. Like I I was wa- I rewatched this incident over and over and over again trying to see if there was malicious intent. I I for for me personally, I don't see it. That's just me. I think that there's a reason why he didn't get a red card for choking anybody because I don't necessarily think that he was choking him cuz I don't think he put a very strong like he wasn't trying to like pull his arm into his neck. So I don't see a chokehold. So that's just me. Once again, that's my opinion. If you guys disagree, I'm totally fine with it. Um, but I, I do think at least there should have been a little bit more of a review, at least to what he, what Hugo Dora was doing. Um, but you know, obviously, a lot of people lost lost their heads. People were trying to stay cool, even keeled. Um, like I said, Runninger was one of those guys that were just trying to get, trying to get Vinnie out of that situation. He's already mad as it is, um, so. That, and that's what happened. Um, La Liga, uh, instead of saying anything about what happened with the fans, kind of didn't do anything. Vinicius was furious. Obviously, calls them out on social media, um, and was like, "You, uh, I f- forgot the quote, but but essentially was saying that the the trophy belongs to ra- races. He basically called La Liga racist. He called Spain racist, um, and." There is things here that Vinicius Junior did not do uh, right, and I and but like I I think that you gotta you gotta think about contextually what exactly happened, and and in in your head that when you're going through something like this, being racially abused, it can easily turn somebody who's very even cute. Not 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 here saying that I I know what Vinicius Junior's um, headspace is like, but. That kind of tension can turn somebody who's very normally even keeled to go crazy as well. So or not go crazy, go get very hot headed. So and 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 the people for saying, oh, this is what fans do. They try to get in the heads of the players. That's home field advantage. Look, telling somebody you suck. You know, you know, saying things like to you know miss, you know miss, tell them to trying to get them to miss the penalty or trying to make them. <laughs> like, there's ways to be a fan, and I, I know that sounds very stupid to say, but, like, there is a line at, at, at uh, at, uh, what's the word, what's the word, um, heckling, there is a, there is, there is, there is a line when it comes to heckling, and I say racial abuse, at least for me, and I know this is just opinion-based, so, like, you know, but involving. Family, race, those are two things that I really don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole. Um, and, and this is me as a fan. Like, I've, I usually I've been saying, like, as a fan, that I, as a stadium, for example, a we probably confirm this, obviously he's not here to talk about it, but I heckled Landon Donovan one time at a Dynamo game. I was just telling him, hey, man, how about you go back and retire? Like, you know you want to go back and retire, like, I, that's literally all I said was, like, constantly reminding Landon Donovan that he retires a lot, um, because I don't like Landon Donovan, um, uh, but, and that's not the point, but, like, for me, I don't, you know, there's nothing in my head that tells me, oh, racially abuse this person, like, talk about their race, no, I don't do that, and, and I think any, any person with any sense knows not to do that, especially, and I'm not saying like, oh, you know, there's a time and place for it, cause it's not, but there is, there is no place for it, and, and anybody with common sense knows not to, like, not to go there, especially in the world we live in now, where social media is, per, is very much there. I think it was prevalent, or whatever the fuck I was trying to say, but social media is also a thing. Like, it is so easy now to get caught. It is so much easier. And I'm not saying the reason don't do this is because you're going to get caught. And that's not that. But I'm just saying because it, it there's it can get so much worse for you now. So much worse for you now because now you're getting caught at on 4K. Getting caught at 4K. Or whatever the, however the hell the kids say it now these days. But it is so much easier now to get caught. It is so much easier to point you out and that and those things can affect you in in more ways than you can think of because if you are that fan that does that and maybe let's this is all hypotheticals this can affect your job i will just point that out because especially depending on what you do like what your job field is like say you're a salesperson like your job is just doing sales and you get caught on tell on on social media calling somebody a racial slur that business is like i don't want you selling shit for me why would i want the guy that said that on live television in a live game in a business where i'm trying to make money here and you're out there saying racial slurs why would i want you in my business so get the fuck out i'm not losing money and like like I'm just saying that's a, an example, but that that's just how it is. Like now, especially more so than ever, you get caught, you are affecting everything in your life. And it's only because you're like, oh, I want to make him uncomfortable at a game. Most of the time, people don't hear you at games because it's so loud. But I mean, when you do get somebody's attention, <laughs> the camera zooms right in on you. So I'm just going to point that out. That's my, the, as far as what the fandom goes. But, uh, obviously La Liga didn't feel, people didn't feel like La Liga did anything. And to be fair, leagues haven't done shit. Like, how many hashtag and racisms do we do? How many hashtags we stand with this player do we do? How many times do we do that we need to put an end to racism videos? How many times do we need to post on social media and racism? How many blackout Tuesdays do we have to do? How many, how many, how many more things of just saying, "Hey, racism is fucking shitty," or "Hey, stop," you know, like racism is such a big issue. It is a massive issue, and the and, and I've said it multiple times on this podcast to a point of to a point of agnosium, because I'm I'm not tired of of talking about racism. I'm just tired that that we still have to talk about racism. I'm tired of having this be a discussion. Because the clear clear thing is that nothing is being done. Yeah, we have these little moments, these little kumbaya moments. And we think we're doing something about it. But in reality, we're not. Nothing has changed. Fans are still throwing bananas at players. Fans are still calling people monkeys. Fans are still making dummies of a player and hanging them off a bridge. But you're just being a fan, right? You're just being a fan. That's what fans do. We're trying to get in your head. That's what we do. But I but no one but that player doesn't see it that way. And so yeah, the leagues aren't doing shit because the only way that these fans will understand that this is wrong is if you do the one thing that they that we a lot of people have been saying punish the club punish the club because now your actions cost your club your your actions cause your club points your actions cause you to not go to the game it banned fans for 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 five matches or so. your actions lose that home field advantage your actions now affect your team and in those matches that you're banned from being on the that to have fans on the field and you're losing now you're costing your team a championship and last time i checked valencia's and not and this is just using Valencia as an example valencia's fighting for for staying in the league imagine those five matches they get relegated so now you're also the cause of your team getting relegated and that'll fuck with you i'm just gonna point that out um, I know I'm really gotta try to work on my sl- on my cousin here, but my my the point of all this is just that I'm, this is where I'm going with this. Is that we need to start holding teams accountable. And and I think once you start holding teams accountable and making these making these decisions that affects the club in a way that the fans will understand that what I'm doing does impact my club. And and slowly but surely, hopefully, it, it it causes an abrupt end to it. But only time will tell. And, you know that's just my thought. Um. So the red card that Vinicius Junior did receive did get redacted, so he was eligible to play. Um. Actually, as a matter of fact, on Wednesday they played against Rayo Vallecano. Um. Vinicius was not able to play because of of some knee knee troubles, but um. They you know the players came out wearing his jersey in solidarity and then obviously play the game um they ended up winning 2-1 but obviously that doesn't matter and then the 20th minute the the Madrid the Madrid says uh you know uh, at you know obviously showed supportive of Vinicius Jr. which is all great and fine and dandy but I'm, I'm just go back to what I said uh, at this point like how many times do we have to do this um and I think that's where I'm tired of that's where I'm tired of doing it so uh So, yeah, the red card was redacted. Uh, Valencia did receive a fine and also a large section of the stadium will be closed for five matches. So, we'll see how that impacts Valencia. Um, I think currently, let me see where, where Valencia's at in La Liga. Um, I know that they're, they're fighting for, to stay in the league. Um, actually, no, they're, they're sitting at 13th place. So, They'll be fine, I think. Um, It's hard to tell. It's hard to say. I mean, they're currently at 40 points. They're in 13th place. But it, they are not far off from that 18th place. Like, there's not a big point difference. There's like, there's a two-point difference between them and uh, Real Valladolid. So, I mean, they found some form. But that's not a promise or anything like that. So relegation is still a possibility, not nece- not a strong possibility, but it's still it's still there. Um but we'll see what that five match that five match ban does. It's a section of a large section of the stadium. So there's still going to be fans in the stadium. Um just obviously I'm I'm assuming I don't know what to assume from that. But we'll see how that affects them especially cuz we're going down to the final matches of the season and like i said they're only like two points ahead of the team that's in eight, in that in that uh 18th place for to be relegated so it's it's a possibility it's not a strong one but i'm just saying it's still possible to happen for for uh valencia um but i think I think i have i've said enough as, uh, about Vinicius. um you know hopefully there's some justice there hopefully um I know a lot of people are saying, "Oh, like Vinicius, leave La Liga and go to a league that will protect you, and you'll be free. You'll be free from racism." Like I said, it's not entirely the truth. Like I mean, racism is everywhere. It's 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 just gonna. It, all it takes is just a very hostile fan to say the wrong thing, and and it, we go back to we go back to where we were, and so, um. I think just people are hoping, just because they want a player like Vinicius on their team. Um, I don't know if it gets better anywhere else. I think, I think we all every country has the same issues when it comes to race. So, but we'll see what happens there. Um, but before we 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 take a break, we gotta go to our debate topic. This debate topic is brought to you by Canada Dips. What are Canada dips? Canada dips are a great tasting, superior alternative to traditional dip using CBD in a way that is radical, enjoyable, and effective. Look, I'm gonna tell you guys, I used to dip when I was in the Marine Corps. It is a very disgusting habit. Tastes terrible. Um it is, <laughs> Why I did it I did it mainly to stay awake. That was the reason why I, I dipped. But um it's not a great habit. It's a, it's a very nasty habit. Um, it's, it's definitely up there with smoking, uh, smoking cigarettes, which I don't do as well either, but, um, it's just a terrible habit. It, you know, it it does get you a little dizzy sometimes, especially if it's your first time. But what I like about cannabis is that it, it's all flavor, no tobacco. And it's, it's not, there's no nicotine pouches and it's spit free. One of the disgusting things about dip, at least what I think what other people think about dip is just nasty seeing people just spit out this brown spit. (laughs) So it looks nasty. Um, So it is spit-free. It comes in five core flavors, wintergreen, mint, citrus, mango, and American spice. It is crafted and manufactured in Humboldt County, California, the heart of the cannabis industry. So why does this all matter? Traditional dip is a hassle. It's addictive and messy, and also it's over 100 years old. Uh, other alternatives just aren't good enough for guys today. They are still addictive, still messy, or just taste terrible. Um Canada CBD is the new evolution in dip, allowing guys to enjoy great, long-lasting taste without the downsides. So what is the secret? They use 100% American-grown hemp combined with a water-dispersable tech so it absorbs rapidly. They also have developed a new way to deliver CBD through the mouth that no one else has so that you can actually enjoy it. They use this coconut fiber and other natural ingredients in their formulation. So there's no synthetic flavorings or other crap like that. If you go to CanadaDipsCBD.com and you enter the code BELLYUP20 for 20% off on your CanadaDips purchase. Once again, use code BELLYUP20 for 20% off your CanadaDips purchase at CanadaDipsCBD.com. Thank you once again to CanadaDips for being our presenting partner for this debate topic the debate topic is so the the logo for the 2026 World Cup has been unveiled and it is basic as fuck um is it sleek yes but i mean i could it, uh, so i think it's just it's how i feel about the super bowl logos it's how i feel about the the world series logos now like It's just gotten boring. It's boring. That's why I think about this, about this 2020, uh, the 2026 World Cup logo. It's just boring. Like one of my favorite things growing up as a kid, um, when the Super Bowl was here was when the Super Bowls were, were, were a thing was just this like weird, crazy logo that they, that incorporated with that Super Bowl. And, And it was like, had like a connection to the city that the, that the host was in. You had like the, you know, the crazy amount of X's and, and whatever. And now you have this generic Super Bowl badge. And, uh, and I don't like it. I like the uniqueness. I wanted that each it's like, and that's kind of the same thing with the World Cup. I love the unique looks of the, of the World Cup. One of my favorite World Cup logos is still, uh, Germany. Germany 20, uh, 2006. Um, it just, it was cool, it was playful. I, I liked it. Um, I like the uniqueness of the badges. Like it I and I understand that it's a little bit tricky because you have Mexico, Canada, and USA, but just putting the World Cup trophy behind a giant twenty six is just boring. Um I hope that this isn't set a precedent for the next World Cups that this is what the, all these badges are gonna look like because it's very disappointing. I'm very disappointed on it. I don't think this World Cup badge is good. Um but that's just my thoughts. Um so the debate topic will be posted on our social media at Instagram and Twitter at @insertnamefc. You guys can go ahead and share me your thoughts. Do you guys like it? Do you guys hate it? You guys can go ahead and put it there and tell me what you guys think. Um it all there's going to be a poll on our stories on Instagram once again at insertnamefc. If you guys want to go ahead and vote there and just also we'll also put a poll on um on on Twitter as well. So That's all I really got for that. So we're going to go ahead and take a break. And then we'll get going with our preview for the Europa League final.
0: Spring has sprung and our friends at Manscaped have the best tools for some spring cleaning. They've already helped you tidy up all the nooks and crannies of your body's basement, but this year, Manscaped can help you get the perfect presentation on that beautiful face with the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Make sure you look your best this spring by using code BELLYUP20 to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. It's time to tame your mane with the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. The sun is peeking back out, which means you'll have to show your face in the daylight again so use the kit to make sure your scruff looks award-winning whether you got glorious beard flow or some smooth sleek cheeks the kit starts off with the beard hedger a waterproof cordless trimmer with a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard so no more messy drawers full of add-ons it also comes with the titanium-coated T-blades that are tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to a single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel size package with a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. So what are you waiting for? Save 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the promo code belly up 20 at manscape.com focus on the face and use the beard hedger pro kit for the cleanest look in the game
1: all right and we're back all right the 2023 europa league final will be sevilla versus roma may 31st will be the final so that's why i'm previewing it now because by you know obviously by the time i record next episode uh it already happened so (laughs) so that's why i'm i'm previewing it now and obviously i'll recap it next episode but it'll be sevilla versus roma sevilla of spain um and roma which very interesting dynamic you have literally one of the you have sevilla who is the most dominant team in the europa league uh has won a lot of europa League titles um and so that's interesting in its own right and then on the other side you have roma the team that won the europa conference league the year before, and obviously under this regime of Jose Mourinho, um, so very interesting uh, all around. I'm all for it because I'm a, I'm a big troller of Jose Mourinho. I love everything. That, I've, I've trolled this man so much to the point where now I'm an admirer of Jose Mourinho. It's fucking weird, but that's where I am now. Um, but let's talk about Sevilla's run, uh, going into the Europa League final. So. They were one of the teams that were sent down from the Champions League. They finished in third in their group. So they got sent down to play a, a playoff leg, uh, against one, against these runner-ups of the groups in, um, in the Europa League, which they were, they were paired up with PSV, which they beat them in the playoff. And so they entered the round of 16, where they then beat Franar Banshan and then beat Manchester United in the quarterfinals. Which I'm sure Jose Mourinho enjoyed that one, but now, oof, 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 I'm not. I'm not talking about. I literally, I was always typing this up. By the way, I was very confused by picking up the matchups. But well, I mean, if you're Jose Mourinho, anytime you see a team that you use, you once coach, uh, fuck up, I'm sure he he takes a jolly off of that. But yeah, beats Manchester United. Uh, Sevilla beats Manchester United in the quarterfinals, and then they go to the semifinals to go against, uh, Juventus. Juventus, is a team that's going through so much, uh, this season. Uh, lost 15 points in their in the league, so they weren't near any European competition spot. Got those 15 points brought back to them because of they needed to reinvestigate something only for them to now lose 10 points and now they are out of a European competition spot. But uh, but now they are. They beat Juventus to make it to yet another Europa League finals. Once again, Sevilla, one of the most dominant teams in the Europa League, have made it back to the finals, so And obviously, winning the Europa League has a very special caveat because the fact is that the winner gets an automatic spot in the Champions League. So I'm sure Sevilla will love to get another go at the Champions League because, um, standings wise, I, I think, uh, Sevilla is not in a European spot right now in the standings. They're not. They're currently in ninth place. So this, Opens up a huge opportunity for Sevilla to get back in the Champions League because they're not doing so well in La Liga. Now, Roma. Roma's run, they are the runner-ups in Group C. Um, so, they didn't win their group. So, they ran—they're runner-ups. They had to go into a playoff against a team that was brought down from Champions League, which was RB Salzburg, which they beat in the playoff round. Then, they went on against Real Sociedad in the round of 16. Beat them. Then, they took on... Uh, Feyenoord in the quarterfinals beat them, and then took on Bayer Leverkusen in the semifinal, and obviously beat them to make it to uh the final, which is a very intriguing thing to point out because um each of the finals for for the European competitions does have an Italian team in it. So honestly, a really pretty cool in my opinion to have that. Um, so Roma situation. I mean, obviously, it's, it's intriguing that they won the Europa Conference League, the first Europa Conference League. Uh, you know, don't want to stroke, uh, Justin Moyo's ego, but they won the Europa Conference League the year before. And then now they're in the Europa League, and, which obviously, if they won the Europa Conference League, they were, they gained an automatic spot in the Europa League. And now have an opportunity to go back to back European Championship European competition titles. Well, kind of just moving up the table in some sense of promoting themselves into the next competition. So they have an opportunity right now to make it to the Champions League. And right now in the Serie a, Roma is in sixth place, which is a con- the Conference League spot. So I mean, they could probably improve their position uh they're 4 points away from AC Milan who is currently in that fourth place Champions League spot so it's either that or they could just win the Europa League and make it to the Champions League and, and um uh, and this fairy tale Roma period which the Jose Mourinho period of of Roma um just gets even more <laughs> larger than what it is already um Ro- Jose Mourinho's time in Roma has been very intriguing for me um just cuz of like the fact that he did win the first ever europa conference league uh now being the only manager to have won all three of these european competitions um and now has an opportunity to win another uh you know another europa league title and get himself back in the champions league uh and i mean the people of roma love jose Muno. um i never forget never forget never will ever forget the very funny proposal video that happened a while back um i don't just google Jose Mourinho Roma proposal and, and you'll see how awkward that whole thing was but just Roma has just been just this fairy tale uh of uh, a job for for Jose Mourinho um and has made Roma very competitive t- at least like a fairly competitive team um since he took over they have now some some trophies they have, they have gotten the first ever European Conference League trophy and are looking to get an Europa League trophy, hopefully. Um, but I guess now to look at this, when you look at Sevilla and Roma, both teams, I think you would definitely say Roma is probably the more well-off team when it comes to where they are in the standings, whereas Sevilla was at very close to getting relegated. What I, by the end of December, I believe it was in a relegation spot, and we're able to turn at least a little bit around to at least get mid table. So, uh, and whereas you have Roma, maybe not necessarily lived up to what they were hoping that they could have done this season. Um, I think an Europa Conference League spot is very granted for them. Um, but now they have an o- both teams have an opportunity to put themselves in a very promising Champions League position. Um, if you're in Sevilla, you definitely want this Champions League position. If you're Roma, um, you definitely want this Champions League position. It, it, it like both teams benefit from going to the Champions League next year. Um, there's not like one. And I mean, I think you can say the same thing every season, but this is, I don't know. I think when you look at it, I I mean, you got Sevilla's history and, and, and all that with Europa League. Maybe, I, I I honestly will say, I think I wouldn't mind having the history of Sevilla being the most dominant team in the Europa League, because at least they're, at least they're winning something. Like, if you're going to be in the Europa League, if you're going to be in the Europa Conference League, like, at least win the damn thing. And so, like, and that's what Sevilla's done year after year. Um And I think that's kind of like what Roma's doing right now is, like, if we're going to be in it, we might as well win this shit. And they have a very good chance of winning it, too. Um, I I I want to say Sevilla is going to win another one. I want to say it, but I think it's so interesting that this year features three Italian teams in the finals of these three competitions. Um, the only reason why I say that is because of the fact that like a few, like, well, actually, no, not a few episodes The long, uh, I want to say early years of, early of Eastern MFC. I mean, we're only like three years old i don't know no two years two three years two years somewhere around there we've been around for a while um actually i think august uh august like late august it will be our our third year our our third year anniversary so roughly like you know past two years but there was an episode where i was literally talking about the potential rise of the of the of the syria like the syria going back to being its competitive way the serie a going back to being competitive in these european competitions um and i mean for a lot of italian teams made it pretty far in these tournaments and um i think it's it's something to point out um is roma i i think the the ego of jose mourinho will be so funny if he does win the europa league only because the and this is a win-win for me. Like I said, like literally last year, if 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 they win it, obviously Jose Moño has like a huge ego and will do something stupid like he did getting a tattoo. This time around, I don't know what he's gonna do, but I think it's gonna be is probably he's it's, it's gonna definitely relish this moment of of doing what he, he's just gonna. This is not gonna like a very cocky Jose Moño is a very dangerous thing in this world. But I'm all for it. And I think if this guy manages to win the Europa League, literally a year after a year where they won the Europa Conference League, it, it like this guy will be so fucking cocky going into the Champions League thinking that it is his destiny, his birthright, to take Roma to the Champions League final and to win the Champions League. Which... I ain't gonna lie, I wouldn't be against it because like Roma is a team that we haven't really seen in such a long time and in, in these competitive in a competi- like in this kind of competitive setting that I would honestly be all for it. Um so my head tells me Sevilla, but my heart tells me Roma, and that's where I'm going with. I'm gonna go with Roma to win the Europa League final. Um Well we'll definitely have a poll. We'll definitely post the matchup on our our, our Instagram and Twitter. At insertnamefc. We'll put in a poll. See who you guys think is going to win the Europa League final. But I, I can't wait. It, this is going to be so much. Ex- it's going to be exciting. I, I literally can't wait for this for this final ha- to happen. I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait to experience all that's going to happen. Because I win either way. If if they win. Jose Munoz is going to be super cocky. I'm going to be all for it. If they lose. Jose Munoz is going to be a total asshole. And I'm all for it as well. So. I can't wait for that Europa League final. All right, moving on, Liga MX final. We have Chivas de Guadalajara taking on Tigres. All right, did not expect. I did not expect this matchup to happen. Um, this this Liga MX Clausura has been one entertaining playoff. I, I will honestly say that none of none nothing went the way I thought it was gonna go. Um, Monterey, and, and this is kind of why I was saying, like, just cause you're the first seed doesn't mean, that doesn't guarantee you're gonna be in the final. Like, just because you were the best team in the regular season doesn't guarantee you, you're gonna win the championship. And, and Monterey fell apart. Um, but, it, just like the run that some, these two teams had is just amazing. And I'm super excited for this final. Um, so, Chivas' has run to the final. They finished in third, so they did not have to play a, a reclassification match. So they were just coasting. They ended up find, getting paired up with Atlas in the quarterfinal. Atlas, their local rival, literally the team that they play in the same city in Guadalajara. They, that was their first matchup. They beat them in the quarterfinals and then they go to the semifinals to take on Club America, the biggest rivalry in Mexico is a super classical between America and Chivas. I can tell you all the stories from when I remember when it was super classical weekend because it was a full, like, half the school is white school is predominantly Mexican. Um, half the school was yellow or the, or the other, and the other half was red and white. It was, such a spectacle and like as a just going in and just going in as unbiased as possible you have a a, a fun just enjoy the match i don't like america because obviously they're super op i trolled them way too fucking much um uh, but at one point i'm saying they gotta fucking win at some point right but they didn't um chivas which is great to see chivas here chivas who's had so much struggles has, has been like a revolving door people have been questioning the way chivas has been doing things being strictly Mexican, their team is comprised of only Mexican players. So, like a lot of people have been questioning that, like the fact that you see teams like America, Monterrey, Tigres, going play after players not from Mexico, going after Argentinians, going after Chileans, going after, you know, you know, going outside of Mexico to go get their talent. Like, but Chivas has has just stuck to the course, stuck with the plan, and. You know, they're in the final. So that's like really cool to see. I'm not a Chivas fan in no way, in no shape or form, but just the fact that they were finally able to get everything clicking. And, and that's kind of what, what this, the interesting thing about how Liga Mekis does their, their seasons, which is having the opening and closing season, the Apertura y Clausura, um, is that like you may be terrible in the Apertura, but then beast in the Clausura. Or vice versa, like it. it, Anything can happen. It's it's very interesting, and I like it. I'm just glad to see Chivas back in here. I love them back in the fold, so I'm just happy to see them there. And now the other side, you have Tigres, another team that I do really enjoy watching. Um, as well. So this is like a really a fun one for be for me being unbind like not being a fan of any of these teams that I could just sit and just enjoy these two teams go go against each other, but. Yeah, another team that like kind of a little bit different from Chivas. you ha- does have a lot of money, can go and get players that they want. They went off and got uh, Andre Gignac. They try to bring, uh, they brought in uh, Thalvin. That didn't really work out too well, but they they go after players uh, internationally, um, and have such a strong legacy, have a str- strong history. Um, so they finished seventh in La Liga and Liga MX. So they actually had to play in a reclassification game. So they took on Puebla in the reclassification, beat them. Then they had to go up against the four-seed Toluca, which is it's my team, unfortunately. <laughs> um And I think the thing is that's different about a team like Tigres is that they have a lot of experience in the playoffs. They've been in the playoffs. They, they're almost in the playoffs every year, um, every time at least I see them. Um, so even though you're going up against a higher-seed Toluca, which... Props to them. Put up a good battle. Um, but, you know, Diggit just was able to take advantage of that, of that first leg. Um, and then the second leg, Toluca just had to try to blow him out, which they weren't able to do. It, unfortunately, they did blow him out, but, uh, Digas was able to put in a goal to secure their spot into the semifinals. Um, and then they, and then they take on, speaking of rivalries, um, like Chivas, they had to go against the team from their same city in Monterrey, Los Rayados in Monterrey, in the semifinals. Oh, my God. Such These semifinals were so much fun. I, I enjoyed the fact that you had two big rivalries in Mexico in your semifinals. Uh, the, the best thing would have been that it would have been the final. But the fact that these two were the semifinals, you had two huge rivalries, a regional rivalry and just a, just a league-wide rivalry going against each other. It was just, you know... How much else would you have wanted a, a, a playoff to go? But now you have the final. Chivas de Guadalajara taking on Tigres. Um, I would love to see Chivas win, uh, Liga Mekis, the Clausura, but I think Tigres experience over Chivas is, is going to be far greater. I think it's going to be their biggest advantage. So I'm going to go with Tigres to win the 2023 Clausura. Um, Hopefully we can see Chivas again make another deep run because I would love to see them lift the trophy. Um, But I think Tigres is just—I think personally, Chivas, Tigres is actually the better team. Probably would have been a very strong dark horse pick when we when I previewed this thing. I don't know if I did dark horses, but Tigres would have definitely been the, the dark horse—a very strong dark horse. And it's not even right to call him a dark horse. This team is still can be a favorite anytime. So I'm gonna go with Tigres to win the 2023 Clausura. But Alright, moving on. Players of the Week. Players of the Week is brought to you by In The Clutch Clothing Apparel. In The Clutch has a great variety of clothing, all partnered with the Players Associations of Major League Soccer, Major League Baseball, the National Basketball Association, National Football League, cool NCAA designs, player-inspired shirts, and they're super comfortable, as well as great designs. Um, I love some shirts. I got a few shirts from my own. I got... It's called Circle Shirt. I have uh, Football is Life, which now I get the reference because I've watched Ted Lasso. Um, I also have some Astros shirts, uh, Kyle Tucker and Jeremy Pena. So I'm a big fan of In the Clutch. And you can be too. If you guys go and use the code INSERT NAME at checkout, you'll save yourself 10% off your purchase at In the Clutch. Great shirts, reasonable prices. I guarantee you you'll enjoy it. So thank you again to In the Clutch. Go to InTheClutch.com. Use insert name at checkout, and you'll save yourself 10% off your purchase. So, Edwards' Player of the Week is Bernardo Silva, who scored two goals in Manchester City's 4-0 victory against Real Madrid. Fuck, I hate that he mentioned that one. But that's his Player of the Week. And my Player of the Week is Olivier Giroud. He scored a hat-trick in AC Milan's 5-1 win against Sampdoria. So, congratulations to Bernardo Silva and Olivier Giroud for being our Players of the Week. If you go on our Instagram and Twitter, at insert name, name FC. If you go to our Instagram on the stories, the poll will be there for you guys to vote for your player who you think should be player of the week. And on Twitter, it'll be the sub tweet on the player of the week post. So make sure you guys go ahead and vote. So because it does impact our selection for the Roosevelt Spencer Player of the Year award. It comes at the end this, at the end of this year. So make sure you guys go ahead and vote. So your voice will be heard for the 2023 Roosevelt Spencer's Player of the Year award. All right, man, some games to watch this weekend. In the MLS, we've got a a little Texas rivalry going on with the Houston Dynamo taking on Austin FC. Houston Dynamo, been a a fairly good defensive team this year. Still need to score some goals. Um, They did come off of a big win against Minnesota United, uh, a big big 4-0 victory against them in the the Open Cup. Maybe that can can carry them into this game against Austin FC, Um, but... We'll see how that matchup goes. Liga Mackeys I don't have to tell you, it's a, it's Chivas versus Tigres. Go ahead and watch that. Liga, we have Montpellier versus Nice. Uh, very important matchup. Uh, that's going on over there. Uh, in Bundesliga, we have Borussia Dortmund and versus Mainz. and Cologne versus Bayern Munich. It is a very important game because, um, this could decide who wins the Bundesliga. Which is awesome that we finally it, it's going down to the wire. Like we're gonna have. A champion going down the wire. I love it. I'm all for it. (laughs) So thank you. That Bundesliga kind of got, if it wasn't for Robert, thank you, Robert Lewandowski, for making Bundesliga competitive again. So thank you for that. In the Serie A, we got Juventus versus AC Milan. Um, highlighting this because this is the final, the final matchup for the singing bed bracket. So if you guys don't know, me, Edward, and Spencer, usually Edward is the co, is, is normally my co host, but Currently, with my job situation, we haven't been able to record together. And Spencer's our producer. So, uh, he makes the beats and everything. Um, and so, we have made a long table of all the teams that we support in all the leagues. And um, at the end of the season, we look at that table, and the person that, that finishes in last place has to sing on our end-of-year episode, has to sing the intro. Uh, the intro and outro for the episode, and also has this thing before we announce our Player of the Year award. So that is, so this is the last one. I am I'm I'm winning. The, I'm going to be first place. Um, and maybe you can throw an asterisk to this season because of the fact that like the reason why I'm winning this is because Edward and Spencer took a point deduction for not doing their singing best last season, and so because of that. <laughs> um, I kind of had like a huge lead, uh, but right now it is more likely it's going to be Spencer, which is crazy thing because Spencer didn't lose as many points as Edward did. Edward really just had a really good year for his teams, um, so so that's where we are. But it is the last last matchup for the, the end of the singing bed. Um, AC Milan is a team that I like from Italy, and Edward and Spencer both like Juventus, so. Uh, it does. It, it's not gonna. Hurt, it's not gonna hurt them. It's not gonna. It's not gonna hurt them either way if they win or lose because they're both rooting for the same team. So it's kind of, kind of rough for Spencer right now. In La Liga, we have Real Madrid versus Sevilla. So it's gonna be uh, the game to highlight just because of the fact that you know what happened with Sevilla. Uh, not what, what happened with Vinicius. So uh, he will be in this game. At least I'm told that he will be in this game. Or I, I'm told. I've heard I've read that he will be featured in this game against Sevilla. So we'll see how, how that game turns out. And in the English Premier League, we got Leeds United taking on Tottenham. Sounds very weird, but not really, because um so Leeds is trying to stay in the Premier League and Tottenham is trying to get into a European competition. So Tottenham wins, they go to a European competition. If Leeds United wins, they stay alive hopefully. So we'll see what happens there. But those are the games to look forward to this weekend. Uh, We're going to go ahead and take a break, and then we'll wrap this show up. Let me tell you guys about Belly Up Sports. Belly Up Sports is the internet sports bar. Go ahead and check out the website, www.bellyupsports.com, to read some great articles from great writers all across the country, from hockey, baseball, golf, soccer, you name it. Belly Up Sports is the premier, not your average, website. All right, and we're back. Go ahead and wrap the show up with my closing thoughts. So, recent, not that long ago, an incident happened in El Salvador, specifically at El Cuscatlan Stadium. Um, it's the biggest one of the. It's the bigger stadium for El Salvador. A lot of the national team games are played in there. Also, some of the larger scale matches, like Concacaf uh, Champions League, is played there as well. And uh, and in the league finals as well, I think. Um, so <clears throat> unfortunately, an incident happened over there in the Cusatan where uh, a lot of fans were trampled during the quarterfinal match between Alianza, uh, which is the local team over there, and FAS. Um, uh, so FAS, which is from Santa Ana, which um, a little bit about me. My family's from Metapán, Santana, so they're very close to each other. I do have a lot of family that lives also in Santana as well, and um, so it was a quarterfinal match between them, and they're also the two two of the bigger teams in El Salvador, um, specifically Al- Alianza being the larger one. But um, so what an incident happened involving uh, uh, they ended up closing the doors at for the stadium. Uh, early because there was suspicion of fake tickets which it's not unheard of for people to do that um I don't I don't think it's specifically an El Salvador thing I think it's just a general thing that happens everywhere you know people try to sell fake tickets and so fans were trying to go in obviously once they figured out that there was some fake tickets being being handed out um they just closed doors and, and let and let that you know kind of you know, hey, no one else can enter, which obviously could be frustrating for someone that actually had purchased a ticket and is now not able to go to watch their team play in the quarterfinal, um, which caused a lot of chaos to the point where they broke through the barricade. And uh, about 500 people were were needed a medical attention or worse. Uh, many were transferred to the hospital. So far, there has not been any any deaths reported um from the ones that went that were like in a critical condition but obviously you know as time goes on i'm sure uh the numbers will rise but as of right now there has been 12 deaths from what has transpired uh over there in puzcatlan and um it's it's it sucks it's one of those things that like um i don't necessarily think that it hurts more because it happened in a country that um holds a special place in my heart being you know being Salvadoran American um but uh, I think uh, obviously uh, you know you know we we contacted our family uh back in El Salvador to see if anybody went luckily nobody nobody that we know uh unf- luckily for us but obviously still unfortunate that many many families are still impacted from this incident um, it's not uh, it, 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 you know, obviously it, it, it definitely struck a chord with me mainly because of the fact that this is the, comf, the, comp, uh, not the country, the country where my family comes from. This is where my culture is from. And, um, and, and I really do enjoy their soccer league. I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure not a lot of people watch it, but it is a very entertaining league and it has its, this the soccer culture in El Salvador is definitely, uh, one that I enjoy, uh, but yeah, um uh, it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, there's no words that can describe, you know, how to feel about, about all that it has. Just, this whole episode is just about, you know, just not knowing how to feel about things. But this one definitely like strikes a chord with me. Um, I don't want to say thoughts and prayers, but I'll say it anyways. Um, I'm just not that kind of guy that likes to say those, that, those phrases. But obviously, you know, I'll hope that, you know all all hopes and prayers go to uh, hopefully that you know that there's not any more that everybody that's in a critical state can can recover everybody can can move on from this incident uh, i'm sure um else the, the Salvadoran league did uh, end up canceling the matches after this cuz i mean you know what what else supposed to do but um but you know life goes on unfortunately but you know, we just have to. Hopefully, they can do better. Hopefully, they can find a better system of of being able to to, to register tickets and just get the people that aren't that clearly are trying just to sneak in to make sure at least, at least alleviate that number a little bit less. Um, <coughs> but I'm, I'm the other thing is just obviously there's better way to handle this situation. Um, if you're a frustrated fan that you know you you spend money to come to a game, and you know they close the doors because it's just being difficult to 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 find the fake tickets, um, but you know, breaking the barricade and initially basically leading to to the harm of of many people <coughs> is definitely not the way to do it. So yeah, that's all I got to say about that. But um, yeah, it, it's it definitely strikes a chord for me even more. Just seeing the images and the videos of of, of all that's happened in a country that. You, you have such a deep connection with and it's hurt, it hurts a little bit more. Um, I mean, (coughs) if it happened anywhere else, obviously, it'd still be terrible, but obviously, um, I can't tell you how much more it just bothers me a little bit more just because it is, it is, you know, where my family comes from. It's my culture. It's where I would like to be able one day to take whenever I have kids. Whenever I have kids, I hope to be able to take them there. And, um, yeah. I will say soccer fandom is there's a different beast. Um, but, yeah, I will say that. But, um, hopefully everybody's able to, uh, get better. Hopefully the family, there's not enough, there's no more losses, but, I have a feeling that that probably will be, um, so there, there's that. But um, go ahead and wrap up this show. Um, wish I would have been able to wrap it up in a, in a higher note, but I just needed to talk about that. Uh, I want to sh- give a shout-out to the Belly Up Podcast Network. Check out their website, bellyupsports.com. Um, tons of great articles being written on the regular of all sports, um, just not just soccer, and also on the entertainment world. So make sure you guys go ahead and check them out. Follow them on Instagram and Twitter at Belly Up Media and at Belly Up Sports, because um, you know Belly Up is definitely growing, and I, I definitely love being part of, of what they're doing. Um, give a shout out to Roosevelt Spencer. If you guys love the intro and outro to these episodes, Spencer is a guy. He's been making these great beats. Uh, I I love him to death. He's my brother from the Marine Corps. Um, and it's great to be able to partner him with this show, and so. Uh, Yeah, go ahead and give him some love. Follow him on Instagram. If you guys need some beat work done, man, message him. Um, He'll get you taken care of, man. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, But thank you so much for listening to episode 130. Uh, Catch me next week for episode 131, uh, where we will preview the Europa Conference Conference League final and recap the uh, Europa League final and recap the Liga Imec's final as well. So thank you so much for listening. Catch us next week. Take care, guys.